Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. It's Wacky and Weird Wednesday, and we have some crazy stories for you today. Let's go ahead and start with our headlines. Today on Before Coffee, Elon Musk's first human receives a brain chip from the Neuralink. Foul mouth parrots in, Bit- in British Zoo and nearly a thousand manatees in a Florida pool. Tom Holland or Hollander? Different actor gets the email for a bonus. And woman attacked by a, a shark in Sydney for the first time since 2009. From a thousand Florida manatees to a thousand European rockers. Famous Parisian restaurant loses more than 1.5 million euros of wine. The stories in more, which is National Hot Chocolate Day, January 31st, 2024 on Before Coffee. All right, our first news story. This is from Euronews. The first human received an implant from Neuralink yesterday and is recovering well, Musk said on his social media platform, Twitter. I'm going to still call it Twitter. Elon Musk said his Neuralink company has successfully implanted one of its chip implants into a human brain. In a post on Twitter on Monday, the billion Monday, which was the 29th, of January, the billionaire said the patient is recovering well after the surgery on Sunday and the initial draws show promising neuron spike detection. Neuralink aims to connect human brains to computers and would help tackle neurological conditions and unlock human potential tomorrow. I don't know what that means, but sign me up, I guess. According to the company website, the millions milestone initiates the company's journey to commercial use. The U.S. medical regulator, Food and Drug Administration, FDA, approved the company's first trial in May last year. The procedure entails the insertion of 64 flexible threads onto a part of the brain that controls movement intention. The threads are so fine that a robot has to implant them. The threads then allow to implant and record and transmit brain signals to an app, which then decodes how a person decides to move. The implant is powered by a battery that can be charged wirelessly. Musk added on Twitter, the social media platform he owns, that Neuralink's first product would be called Telepathy. He said Telepathy allows control of your phone or computer and through them almost any device just by thinking. And that initial user will be with will be uh, the initial uses would be those who have lost the use of their limbs. So you may not be able to use your hands or walk, but hey, you can scroll through Twitter. Free of charge. Imagine if Stephen Hawking could communicate faster than a speed typist or an auctioneer. That is the goal, he added. Neuralink is not the first company to implant brain chips. Another US tech company, BlackRock Neurotech, started implanting brain computer interfaces in 2004. Okay, but are you not going to tell us about that? But they're not going to tell us about those guys because those guys aren't as cool as Elon Musk. This this (laughs) article was from Pascal Davies. So... Yeah, uh, I guess look forward to having brain chips in, implanted because while it sounds like a great thing for people who need it, I'm sure all the people, all the Musk, Musk fans are going to be flocking to get this imported in their own brains because there's a lot of fans out there who... They're giving up their own will yeah. as it is, so yeah. 
I don't think we have the ability to, you know, hack people's brain chips just yet, but I'm sure it will happen. In 50 years from now, people's brain chips will be getting hacked, and then they'll be doing crimes. They'll be like, I don't remember doing those crimes. My brain chip was hacked. I didn't buy that probably gun. among us now. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and say they're already out there. There are already zombies out there just... Being controlled, yeah. Making away, making them do stuff, you know? Got my story or yeah that's we, i told you quick we, stories today so <laughs> are we rightly terrified enough okay here's a story from npr bill chappelle follow mall parrots at an animal park in england have become an attraction in their own right but the staff still do their best to shield young visitors from the birds profanities the parrots are a f the parents are a fountain of foul language their habit of spouting curse words at a torrid rate has by turns mortified and amused the people who work with them at the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park in Fiskney, England. Now the family friendly animal park is trying a new plan it hopes to tame the parrot's salty language. It is integrating them into a larger flock where they will hopefully learn all the nicer sounds and words, <laughs> said <laughs> Steve Nichols, the park CEO. But for now, the profane parrots know no bounds. Consider how Nichols describes the video link he set up this week. He was preparing to speak the BBC program after interest in the park's African gray parrots spiked a few days ago. The parrot behind me was making quite obscene noises during the TV segment, Nichols said in a video update on Facebook. He thought about moving farther away from the bird that would have disrupted the camera shot that had been carefully trained on Nichols. I did apologize straight away, saying it's not my fault that they actually say a little bit of effing and jeffing, Nichols said. We didn't have worried. As it turns out, the parrot, the patrons of the zoo, as well as the throngs of people online, seem to be perfectly willing to accept the parrots as they are, profanity and all. The park has posted a sign near the parrot's habitat, warning the visitors they should expect to hear every common swear word and should shepherd children away from the area. Ooh, not the children. Still, Nichols says, the park's human workers enjoy the lighter side of the birds' open, unique speech, and international media attention they're getting. The staff find it hilarious they are seeing the birds in their care appearing on broadcasters worldwide, Nichols said, adding that his colleagues are getting messages from relatives living abroad saying they're seeing the Lincolnshire Park in their local news. It's not the first time parrots have caused a stir when five foul-mouthed African greys, Billy, Elsie, Eric, Jade, and Tyson, were donated to a park earlier in the COVID-19 pa pandemic. Staff resorted to sequestering them from public spaces to keep them out of earshot. And <laughs> as of now, the park has long has, has around eight birds that would require explicit language advisories. Of course, they're teaching each other, right? Yeah. Great parents, Im imitative Billy, yeah, have been lauded at least since Aristotle, according to the academic paper from 2010, that surveyed their aptitude for local learning and reproduction. All this raises a key question. Are the parrots teaching all these follow words to each other? Or is the profane way coming from humans? No, I think it's just each other at some point. It's certainly down to the humans, and what makes it funnier is that the particular species actually replicates the person's voice exactly. Illustrating the point, he tells a story that of a lady who spoke to him about donating her parrot. Her husband had taught the bird all the pro profane words it knew, and there was just one snag. It was quite easy to hear she wasn't telling the tr full truth as he sw it swore in her voice. Oh. All right. So, there we are. And from parrots to manatees, this is in Florida, in more wacky wild animal news. 
Hey, Florida Park just saw it. This is also from NPR. This is Eva Manaus. Legend has it that centuries ago, manatees used to be mistaken for mermaids. So a site last week at one Florida state park would have put ancient sailors in shock. Blue Springs State Park is home to one of the largest winter gathering sites for manatees in Florida. And recently, the park reached a new record. The number of manatees spotted in one group was nearly 1,000. Record-breaking morning of Blue Spring State Park, read Facebook posts from friends of Blue Spring State Park. The volunteer group, which helped support the park, said the previous record for manatee gatherings was 736 on New Year's Day of this year. Manatees typically flock to the park during the winter months, but several factors have caused their numbers to increase over the years. According to the Facebook post from the nonprofit Save the Manatee Club, January 21 was one of the coldest mornings in Florida winter season so far. The temperature at the St. John River, which Blue Springs sits on, was recorded at 58.8 degrees Fahrenheit. In Florida, over the past couple of weeks, we have had more frequent cold fronts that have been closer together, says Monica Ross, Director of Manatee Research and Conservation at the Clearwater Marine Aquariums Research Institute. That drops the ambient temperature water, ambient water temperature, and it's National Backwards Day also. That's when you're going to have more animals showing up at one time. To survive the cold winter weather, manatees will seek out water that is typically warmer than 68 degrees. This is because despite their thick looking bodies, the blubbery animal, affectionately known as the sea cow, only has about an inch of fat and a very slow metabolism, meaning they cannot easily stay warm, says the state park. Since the spring water remains at a constant 72 degrees and is protected from human recreation activity, Blue Spring makes a perfect manatee referee refuge during the colder months. What's more, many manatees rely on artificial warm water sources from power plants, and these might be going offline in the near future. So having some of these manatees come to these natural warm water sites and finding them is really encouraging, says Cora Bircham a research associate and director of the multimedia at Save the Manatee Club. What's driving the increase? According to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission, there were anywhere between 7,000 to 11,000 manatees in Florida, which represents a large increase over the past 25 years. At Blue Springs State Park, the number has grown from about 36 animals since research began in the 1970s, over 700 animals, according to the park. That growth attributed in part to higher reproductive rates, but also because you've got more animals that are shifting their habitat and shifting how they're wintering, said Ross. She continued that there's been an increase throughout the other springs along the St. John's River as well. So the manatees stay warm, and there's uh, you go to npr.com, you go basically any, you'll see some nice pictures of basically just manatees chilling until the weather gets warmer out in the ocean. Uh, okay, back to you, folks. Wow. We'll see how that goes on, I guess. Okay, my two short wacky stories is Tom Holland or Hollander. This is um, on NOS News. British actors Tom Holland and Tom Hollander may be 29 years apart, but they are still often confused for each other, especially in situations where they are not in the picture. Not long ago, 56-year-old Tom Hollander received an email from his management about a bonus for the films The Avengers. 
only he had the role in the film. He had no role in that film. The 27-year-old Tom Holland did. Both are under the same management. It involves an astonishing amount of money, Hollander said about the email on Seth Meyers' talk show. It wasn't even his salary. It was a bonus. It was a seven-figure sum and more money than I'd ever seen. Hollander is known for roles in The White Lotus and Pirates of the Caribbean. Tom Holland is best known as Spider-Man. In the talk show, Hollander also said that he regularly deals with excited and then confused, disappointed children because they think they're meeting Spider-Man. It's difficult because I was there before, said Hollander. <laughs> yeah, I know this guy. He's in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. He plays uh, Beckett, the villain. The uh, villain of the story of the yeah. entire, well, I guess the second and third film of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and he is definitely not Tom Holland. In another wacky news story, though dangerous, also from NOS News, a swimmer in the bay of the Australian city of Sydney has been attacked by a shark. The victim, a young woman, had jumped in the water from a private jetty when she was attacked under swimming about 20 meters. The woman was taken to the hospital with leg wounds. Her condition is stable, local authorities report. The attack took place near Sydney Harbour, the area where the famous Opera House and the Sydney Harbour Bridge are located. It's quite weird, because the shark that attacked her was probably a bull shark. This species is more often seen in warmer coastal waters during this period. Worldwide, about 70 people are attacked by a shark every year, including an average of 15 times in the waters around Australia's. Australia. However, it is a rare thing in that place. The last time a shark attacked a human in Sydney Harbour was in 2009, reports Australian broadcaster ABC. In 2022, there was a deadly attack off the coast city. That time before that was 1963. So there has been an attack, but it was way off the coast, not in the actual harbor. And yeah, it was just, just random. She was just swimming. I guess she she looked good. Well, they, <laughs> there is a, I guess, a funny joke about sharks that they only take a bite to see if they like the taste of you. The problem is, they don't know biting off your entire leg, leg will cause you to bleed to death. So, you know, they're just, they were just curious, you know, they don't know any better. They don't know that you're going to die because they took a little nip. Uh, for the for them, it's sharks. just a little nip. For them, it's just a little nip. <laughs> so, yep, there's your two more weird and wacky stories about Tom Hollander, who is not Spider-Man. And He's watch out, I guess. But don't go killing sharks, okay? Because you don't really need to do that. They That doesn't do anything at all. Really. Just be careful out there with swimming and uh, your story. Yeah, don't swim with the sharks. Look for scary fins in the water not, before you jump in from your jetty. Yeah, it's not just a cute metaphor. <laughs> Okay, from that, we're going to get into, we're going to delve deeper into uh, the Rockin' 1000. Now, this has uh, been around for a while, so we're going to delve deeper into it. We're going to go to our actual website and read about their history. Rockin' 1000 website, rockin1000.com. Cessna, summer of 2014, in the midst of a faraway, in the midst of a faraway Italian valley, Fabio Zaffagini, a Marine's geologist sees a mirage the Foo Fighters performing in his hometown of Cessna Fabio envisions 1,000 musicians playing simultaneously learn to fly a video to be sent to the band the biggest tribute ever made an unattainable invitation 
No human being can do such things alone, so he stands looking for early adapters. That's when Claudia, Cisco, Anita, Martha, Maragazia, Marta, Deborah, Valentina jumped aboard and start building the dream one piece at a time. 2015, the Foo Fighters. The idea takes shape, becomes clear that four miracles are needed. One, find the money. Two, find 1,000 musicians. Three, find a way to make them play together. And four, have Foo Fighters convinced. Long story short, July 26, to. 2015, the sun approaches the horizons. 1,000 rockers play in unison magnificently. The scene seems unreal. They just nailed it. In three days, the video's out. Millions of people around the world stunned and spread the word among them. There's Dave Grohl himself. Fabio and his crew aren't just a team of visionaries anymore. They're miracle workers. Days get frantic, requests of the wildest kind pour off from all over the world, but one particular stands out. It comes from a town all the way from the other side of the world. The people of Walla Walla, Washington, bring a message. Foo Fighters are playing in their town. They want to meet. It's an offer rocking 1,000 can't refuse. November 3rd, Foo Fighters fulfilled their promise. An intimate three hours concert and session. All those who were involved in a crazy stunt, musicians, donors, and volunteers, organizers, act like sardines, sweating their joy out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once you've heard a thousand track, you never go back. One song is not enough. We humbly proclaim ourselves the biggest rock band on earth and we get ready for the next challenge. An entire live show, a full gig in a packed loud stadium. Then on July 14th, 2016, after one year of sweat and blood, the thousand play a full set of 17 rock hits at the Manazi Stadium in Cessna. Or Cessna. I, I've been saying that wrong, but maybe I've been saying it right. I don't know. The audience is breathless, the earth shakes. The massive wall of sound created by the biggest rock band on earth is heard for miles and miles. And all the all the sharks leave. Summer camp, Val Valley. Question is what next? And we decide to go playing a remote place into the wild in the foot of the highest mountain in Europe, Mount Blanc. In a quiet valley filled with, with lilies, Idlewise and Kyle's turns to a three days of festival, rock oasis, composite with film screenings. So yeah, they took this out to nature and just basically ruined nature for three days, okay. <laughs> so this band, I guess, we're gonna do, we're gonna ask uh, questions about them and what we'll, it might be better to go to their Wikipedia page because news articles are just not that great. The Rocket 1000's musical projects originally created in Italy, where a thousand musicians play and sing simultaneously at their concerts, with set lists comprised mainly of well-known rock music from different decades. The group was originally assembled in July 2015 as a way to ask for the Foo Fighters to visit Cessna, Italy. Originally organized a crowdfunding effort by Fabio Zafaghini, the Rockin' 1000 have made several subsequent appearances and have dubbed the biggest band in the world. Their initial performance was 2015 under the direction of Marco Subuio. Okay. Large-scale groups under the name of Rock 1000 have assembled for some, sub some subsequent performances. On 17 July 2019, Rock 1000 played 18 songs, it says. Wow. Or at Commerce Bank Arena in Frankfurt, Germany with 1,002 musicians playing in front of an audience of 15,000 spectators. The project achieved a world record for the largest performing rock band. Hundreds of guitars, bass players, drummers, keyboardists, and singers, as well as wind sections and string sections joined together. Playing rock classics by Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Jimi Hendrix, The Rolling Stones, Oasis, Depeche Mode, and others. 
in reaction to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The group was enlisted to perform John Lennon's Give Peace a Chance for the opening of the Eurovision Song Contest in 2022 in Turin. The performance was pre-recorded by Piazza San Carlo and was later continued by the live audience of Palo Olimpico singing along, supported by the contest co-presenters Alessandro Catean and Mika. In October 2022, Rockin' 1000 performed on Aline's Park in Sao Paulo and for an audience of more than 30,000 30, spectators on their first concert in South America. Among the performers and musicians for previous concerts, new members of Brazil, are such as Supla, Sergio Diaz, were invited to participate. Those are concerts. And there you can go to their website on a side note. And if you want to join, you really don't even have to have any musical talent. Although you're going to be paying all of your own expenses. And if you got like a guitar, you're going to be bringing your own amp, right? If you got a drum yeah. kit, and I do have a lot of drummers. I mean, drum kits are a lot harder to travel with. Say a ukulele. <laughs> a ukulele. So there you go, rocking 1000, rocking the world. Back to you. Oh, yeah. I do find it really interesting that they're like, oh, I hope we can convince the Foo Fighters to do this. I'm like, the Foo Fighters are all in for any weird stuff going on. What are you talking about? They're like the wackiest band ever. Yeah. Watch watch any of their their music videos. They made a song literally called, like, Paul, where they just scream Paul over and over again. Like, <laughs> they're, not, they're not a serious course, rock band, you know? Of course... Foo Fighters at this point are just Dave Grohl and whoever he brings along. Yeah, yeah. Which, to yeah. be fair, that's how it started. It was just Dave Grohl by himself. <laughs> he released a whole album right. playing all the instruments. Yeah, a bunch of songs. Yeah, so. bunch of songs you needed a band. Yeah. Had... Yeah. Back okay. For our culture segment, or I guess more culture, the French Ratatouille restaurant loses more than 1.5 million euros worth of wine. Wow. This is on your news culture. Carbonet, more than, that's a pun, more than 1.5 million worth of vintage have been mysteriously disappeared from one of France's most prestigious restaurants with no signs of a break-in. Parisian restaurant La Tour d'Arge is one of France's most famous restaurants with not only a Michelin star menu boasting their famous pressed duck specialty, a spectacular view overlooking Notre Dame, but also a wine cellar that currently boasts some 300,000 bottles. It also has the distinct honor of having served as the inspiration for Gusteau's restaurant in Disney's Pixar's greatest film, Ratatouille. Uh, that's not my opinion that it's the greatest film, but the, the author of this article, which I'm assuming is David Morquand, because he always has these, yeah. David Morquand always has these kind of opinions. And he's freely sharing them. However, it is hitting the headlines with a spot of drama, as the staff of the iconic eatery have found that several bottles were missing from its cellar during a routine inventory. The police were called, and the total 83 bottles of rare wine were unaccounted for, vintages with a value of more than 1.5 million euros. The theft would have taken place between 2020 of January and, well, now, 2024. There were no signs of a break-in, according to French news outlet Le Pagian. So, a very district heist. The list of missing wine bottles includes bottles from Domaine de la Romane Conti, renowned for producing some of the world's greatest and most expensive wines. Connoisseurs will pay up to 14,000 euros for a bottle of the 2011 vintage, while online wine sellers sell at a price at 
I sell a 1999 DRC Grand Cru at around 28,000 euros for one bottle. And honestly, I'm gonna be get some hate here. It all tastes the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. If it's wet, if it's red oh, wow. wine, I'm like, ah, my mouth's dry. Doesn't matter if it's a one thousand dollar bottle or a ten dollar bottle. It's, it's all the same to me. My mouth's dry. <laughs> Woohoo! In other words, don't buy you a bottle of wine. For no, years. never you give me wine. I don't appreciate it, and I don't even drink. Might so. as well be shoe polish. I'm yeah. already drunk, and right now I don't need a drink. <laughs> Uh, the 14, a 442-year-old restaurant underwent a major renovation in 2022, and they didn't take the wine out of, they just left it there? Well, I, okay. And it reopened late last summer. As part of its reopening, it compiled the wine bible listing the contents of its cellar in a tome weighing 8 kilograms. It's feeling a little lighter now. La Tour d'Angers has served a number of heads of state and A-less celebs over the years, including Queen Elizabeth II, Theodore, Franklin Roosevelt, Oh, Theodore and Franklin Roosevelt, not at the same time. Charlie Chaplin, Salvador Dali, Steven Spielberg, and Sir Paul McCartney. The last two guests will have to make with do picks with the 299 and 900 and 917,000 bottles in the cellar. Sip happens. That's not my pun. That's David's pun. But yeah, unfortunate. I don't know how this happened. Maybe they never had the bottles to begin with. Maybe it was a little write-off, you know? We, I swear to you, we bought the, we bought a 2011 vintage. It's supposed to be here. Oh, I guess we'll write that off as losses in our taxes. <laughs> Stolen theft, I don't know. Hey, I don't know. I think it's ridiculous to pay that much for, for a wine, but that's how the other has anybody half seen, lives. Has anybody seen Rudy Giuliani? <laughs> Maybe he stole the wine. He's a drunk, in other words. <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah, just uh, that's how the one percenters live. Freaking buying really expensive wine. But uh, yep. I'm sure they make Tax you pay a hundred bucks to uh, drink uh, drink just a bit of it, right? Oh, yeah. It's a hedge against inflation. <laughs> wine. Well, just any kind of thing that just has a value that's very hard to define. Yeah. Art. An art artistic, d mm -hmm. I guess. All right, then I guess we'll make sorry or not. Yeah, this day in history. Okay, this day in history. 1797, Austrian composer Franz Schubert was born near Vienna, just near Vienna. 1943, always makes it sound like it's in a field somewhere, right? In a f near Vienna. <laughs> we couldn't quite make it to the city. 1943, German Field Marshal Frederick Paulus surrendered to the Soviet Red Army at Stalingrad and his, his troops surrendering two days later. And they spent the rest of the war in a gulag somewhere in Stalin oh in uh, <laughs> Siberia. 1956, Johnny Rotten, lead singer of the Sex Pistols. Well, you know what? That's what you get in Germany for trying to invade Russia, right? Yeah. 1956, Johnny Rotten, lead singer of the Sex Pistols, a rock group that created the British punk movement in the late 70s, was born in, in London. So happy birthday, Johnny Rotten is 68. Explorer 1 was the first artificial space satellite orbited in the United States, by the United States in 1951. Explorer 1, marking the country's entry into the space race. So 1958, the space race was joined. 
1961, American film drama The Misfits, which was directed by John Huston at its world premiere. It was perhaps best remembered as the final movie of both Marilyn Monroe and Clark Gable. Which, yeah, they were both on their way out. 1966, the Soviets launched Luna 9, the first spacecraft to make a soft landing on the moon. They famously made of pillows, not just, I, I don't, it wasn't made of pillows. 1977, Pompidou Center, a French national cultural center named for former president George Pompidou, opened in Paris. In 1981, American singer and actor Justin Timberlake was a member of the hugely successful boy, boy band in sync before launching a solar career was born in memphis tennessee so memphis the home of rock and roll also the home of justin timberlake 2001 libyan national abil bas al mahad magahari was convicted in the 1988 pan am flight 103 bombing in which 270 people were killed in 2009. The Scottish government released Magari from prison. He was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Well, cancer found the right guy at that time. Yep. 2020, the United Kingdom formally left the European Union more than three years after the country voted for Brexit. So there's the anniversary Good job. of... You did it. United Kingdom just being dicks. That's basically it. And that's all it really accomplished. It proved that they can be dicks. All right. Speaking of dicks, on this day in 1606, our featured event, Guy Fawkes, executed in London. On this day in 1606, British provocateur Guy Fawkes, one of the gunpowder plot conspirators who sought to blow up Parliament and assassinate King James I for his repression of Roman Catholics, was executed in London. And I guess they... Uh, there's a picture, or a painting of him on his knees. I think they're beheading him, but that's kind of a weird place to do it. On a pillow with swords? That would take like an hour and a half. <laughs> I guess they hadn't heard of the guillotine in 1606. So. It had not been invented yet. It had not been invented yet. They just had the, I guess they used a rusty butcher knife, is what they used. I don't know. Ouch. Feature biography, Jackie Robinson, born on this day, January 31st, 1919 in Cairo, Georgia, and died, only got to be 53. Jackie Robinson, legendary baseball player, died at the age of 53 in 1972 in Stanford, Connecticut. Other birthdays besides Jackie Robinson, Norman Mailer, American author 1923, was his birthday. Philip Glass, American composer, or imposer. Born in 1937. And what day is it? It is National Hot Chocolate Day, Inspire Your Heart with Art Day, and National Backward Day. And I'm not sure we had National Opposite Day last week. Yeah. This week, today we get honors everything backward and national. The day provides you an opportunity to verse our ways, direct, direction or simply our shirt. Dessert for breakfast. Wear your shirt backwards. Wear your oh, hat backwards. Oh, crap. I need to turn my shirt Lots around. Lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all you white dudes, turn that back. Turn that baseball cap that's backwards. Turn it forwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Four. The last day of January of 2024 on Before Coffee. All right. We're officially 112th through. We're 112th through the year. Forgot. 
We're fractional. Time flows too fast. We will see you tomorrow for Themeless Thursday, where we're just going to cover whatever news we want. And we'll (laughs) hope you have a good one out there. (laughs) And I hope you have a wacky backwards day. Here is your mic drop moment. sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons, and follow our other channels, Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.